Welcome everybody in Navigator Nation. How you doing today? My name is Mike Hess. Uh, I am a respiratory therapist and this is Breathe TV. This is our bi-weekly look at uh, news and information uh, popping up in the world of COPD. If you're new to the program, we do this, as I said, every couple of weeks. We have a little bit of a news break at the beginning. Uh, we have our topic of the day, which is going to, today we're going to be talking about exercise. Uh, and then, of course, we have time at the end for your questions. So be sure that you are typing them in right now, whichever kind of screen you're looking at. Sometimes it is off to the side. Sometimes it's down below, whatever it is. Uh, make sure you're getting your questions in now. I've already had a couple of people checking in. I believe we had Lisa checking in from Alaska. Uh, always nice, uh, bright and early-ish. Uh, nice of you to check in today. Um, been a interesting week here at the studio. Had a little bit of some power problems, had some shorts, had some other issues going on, but I think we are very close. Uh, knock on wood, fingers crossed, every other superstition, find me a horseshoe. Uh, I believe we are getting things ready to go and we're finally getting pretty well situated into our setup here. So hopefully we can go on without too many glitches or anything like that today. Um, I do have a new, uh, as I said, a little bit of a new setup. We've got uh, some of our tech stuff here. We've got some of our uh, communication stuff here. Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to see a little bit easier when people are asking questions and that sort of thing. Um, but if you do have, uh, if you do throw, throw something up there, please be patient with me as we get all that stuff figured out. So uh, let's see, where are we at? We are going to start today with, as we get back on track, we are going to start today as we uh, often do with a little bit of news and our first thing and uh that's the thing i forgot to get prepared on i knew there, there's always something but i forgot to get my little notes out here uh so our first news topic of the day is that we have some new research coming out of england that points to some new genetic clues toward the risk of copd of course we know that not everybody who smokes gets copd we know that not everybody uh, who uh, has COPD has smoked. So we're trying to get a better idea of how do we figure out who's who and why does this happen and everything else. So these, uh, this genetic group uh, over in um, England, as I said, Universities of Leicester, I think I'm saying that right, and Nottingham, uh, discovered some genetic differences that put some people at higher risk. They did a two-year study of various uh, genomic information and discovered uh, 20 million differences in the DNA of uh, the 400,000 people who took part, um, compared them to measurements of lung function, uh, and they were able to determine about 139 previously unknown uh, differences that do appear to influence uh, COPD and overall lung health. According to Professor Louise Wayne from the uh, British Lung Foundation, uh, the British Lung Foundation uh, professor of respiratory research at one of the universities and the lead author of this particular study, uh, she said, it is well established that smoking is a major risk factor for COPD, yet the mechanisms which cause smokers and non-smokers alike to develop COPD are poorly understood. Our study provides vital clues as to why some people develop COPD and others don't. Uh, and new knowledge will help uh, develop new treatments to halt the decline in lung function observed with people uh, uh, with COPD. 
Uh, the way they came across or uh, developed this study is they looked at, uh, they divided uh, this study group, these uh, 400,000 people or so, uh, into 10 different genetic categories. Uh, and they found that eight of 10 smokers in the highest genetic risk group developed COPD. So it was kind of a sure thing if you're in this, uh, if you uh, drew the short stick of the genetic lottery um, and, and smoke on top of it, you're probably gonna get COPD. And, but also that uh, even in people who never smoked in this group, uh, still about 20% of them uh, in that highest genetic risk group did end up developing COPD. So we know now that um, there are genetic factors that influence COPD. Uh, and we do also see that even though this study was in Europe or uh, in the UK and uh, focused mostly on some European ancestry, uh, they did identify or did, they did demonstrate that uh, in other ethnic groups, including uh, Chinese populations, and uh, they mentioned African-American groups. I'm not sure if that includes um, specifically African descent folks or if it's our uh, um, domestic usual definition of African-American. Uh, but they did see that uh, these genetic differences do impact those folks as well. So, uh, very exciting news, uh, hopefully putting us on a little bit better road to figuring out why uh, there are so many differences in the risk of COPD. Next up, we look at an old friend with potentially a new uh, utilization. We know for a very long time in certain people with cardiovascular risk factors that having a baby aspirin a day, that 81 milligram dose, does tend to decrease your risk of some of those cardiac side effects. Um, and what we're seeing now also is that it may influence your risk for COPD, or at least COPD exacerbations. Um, this research group looked at one of the largest COPD studies ever conducted called Spiromics, which has been technically over for a few years, but is still generating uh, enormous amounts of information as we look at uh, some of the outcomes and we look at uh, figure out new ways to divide people up and, and figure out what uh, the different cohorts and stuff. Uh, this group did find that um, among uh, about 1,700 people they identified as eligible to participate in this study, um, they found that uh, those people, about half of them used who used aspirin, those folks were at a lower incident rate, uh, lower risk for uh, acute exacerbations of COPD, uh, particularly uh, moderate, uh, what they call moderate exacerbations, which maybe you don't need to have uh, ventilation support or anything like that. Um, but uh, they're, they're pretty, you know, you're going to want to go get checked out for those sort of things. So the probably the, the, the greatest burdensome uh, without being quite critical care or intensive care uh, type of exacerbation, they saw a distinct improvement in these. Uh, they suspect that it would also be uh, present for those severe exacerbations, but there simply weren't enough uh, of them uh, in this group, which was good news for the, the study group. But there weren't enough of them to make a truly statistically valid determination of that. The, uh, so they also found that uh, people who used aspirin did have some improvements in their COPD assessment test and St. George's Respiratory Questionnaire, which are two studies or uh, two surveys that look at uh, quality of life and symptom burden and stuff like that. Uh, interestingly enough, while they found a statistically important difference, they did not. Uh, these differences did not quite meet the minimum clinically important difference that's been identified. Um, to tell us whether this is actually a, a true change or you know a relevant change or if it's just some of the, the moderate the variation in the disease process so it's a little bit unclear beyond the uh, um, uh, uh, certainly reducing the number of exacerbations what the significance of this uh, of, of taking an aspirin is but 
certainly uh, a potential therapy if uh, you're on a lot of maximal other stuff and can't seem to stay out of the hospital or can't seem to get those symptoms down. Um, the anti-inflammatory effects of the aspirin may be of some benefit for you. Um, and last but not least, as I shuffle on through our, um, well, shoot, we're in, oh, I just didn't grab enough papers off the stack. Uh, I knew this was going too smoothly so far uh, to have no issues whatsoever. Um, fortunately, again, knock on wood, we're not having so much in the tech side today. I just need to get my act together. So this last news item is going to get a little bit technical. Uh, it's, uh, I do like to throw some of this stuff out there from time to time. There was a new study that has come out in the International Journal of COPD, peer-reviewed study that looked at using this thing called exhaled breath condensate um, to try to figure out, uh, try to get an idea of where people's symptoms were with COPD. Uh, the thought was there are these things that are floating around in the air pretty much all the time called ultrafine particles. They are um, just technically pollutants in the air um, that uh, they're pretty much everywhere. There have been some studies to figure out um, what the ambient levels are in your house or out in uh, you know areas with high pollution, that sort of thing. But by and large, in our modern world, we have a lot of these ultrafine particles floating around in the air all the time. And so what this study found was that folks that had COPD um, had less of these ultrafine particles in their exhaled breath um, as compared to healthier folks, but they had more of them in their bloodstream. They looked at some of these uh, exhaled samples um, where you blow through this cool tube and it turns into a liquid and it gets, it's nice because it gets some of the information, some of the, the gas from uh, pretty deep inside of your lungs. Uh, and they looked at the levels of these ultrafine particles compared to healthy uh, uh, equivalent people. And they found that, uh, again, there was less of it in the exhaled breath, but more of it in the bloodstream. And what that tells us is that it's possible that um, in certain cases of COPD, particularly those where you have a lot more inflammation rather than strictly the, the air sac damage, um, you may have a, a change in what we call the permeability or the ability of uh, stuff to get through um, those alveolar walls. Now, as we all know, we need to get oxygen from inside the air sac, the alveoli, into the bloodstream. And so those alveoli have a certain amount of, uh, of uh, permeability. They have a certain amount of level that stuff can get through, okay? And so when you have inflammation, we already know that inflammation is an indicator of, or excuse me, increased permeability is an, is an indicator of inflammation. So if you have a situation where more stuff is getting across, then you probably have a level of inflammation. The clinical relevance of this, if it pans out, this is a very preliminary study. Uh, the clinical relevance of this is we're going to have a very easy to do, uh, easy to perform test that doesn't necessarily require a blood draw or anything like that to figure out what folks have a certain level of inflammation inside the lung and therefore what folks are most appropriately on uh, in, uh, inhaled corticosteroids. Of course, we're trying to get away from a lot of the inhaled uh, corticosteroids as much as possible, um, but we, what we really want to do is give them to the appropriate people. And this could be a, a, a marker for that because um, it was correlated with uh, absolute eosinophil count, which is another marker of inflammation in the bloodstream, uh, a thing called C-reactive protein, which is a marker of inflammation. When you have elevated levels, you're at increased risk for all kinds of, of disease processes um, and uh, various other things. 
So it seems to be a pretty reliable test. Uh, but again, we're not, uh, this is a, a very preliminary situation and we're not entirely sure what the relevance is uh, as far as different levels and things like that. Also, uh, that's our three news topics for the day. Uh, I did get this one prepared. I was so prepared, I was unprepared. I'm also going to take a moment here just to see if uh, I can get a little bit better sense of where things are. There we go. All right, now we're starting to get some comments. Uh, okay, so uh, last time, two, about two weeks ago, we had an update where we were talking about this new true generic equivalent to Advair. Uh, this this uh, medication called Wixella is coming out. Uh, there has been a generic equivalent for a little while now. It's been on back order for a lot of places, but it hasn't been a direct equivalent because it comes in a different kind of device and it comes in a different dose because it comes in a different device. So uh, another drug company, uh, disclaimer, I'm not uh, sponsored or uh, endorsed by them. I did uh, get some money to be on a panel uh, talking about how we use respiratory therapists in primary care, uh, but this is not a sponsorship to be on the program or anything like that. Um, a representative came by and this thing is now hitting the market. This is called an in-hub device. This is what's going to be delivering the uh, Wixella, the generic Advair works very similar to the traditional uh, discus device that many people are probably familiar with um, basically you're going to pop it open uh, like so uh, you're going to click this little job here to get a dose ready to go for you comes with a little nice handle for you to hold on to if you have some trouble uh, pinching your fingers or anything like that and you just Take a nice, deep, fast breath because this is going to be a powder. Uh, um, it is already a powder, um, but uh, this is a nice alternative, and I thought it would be kind of fun since the rep dropped a couple of demos off for me. I thought it might be fun to share that with you folks as sort of an update. So look for that. Those of you who are on Advair, could be a less expensive alternative. Uh, those of you who are not on a uh, long-acting beta agonist bronchodilator and inhaled corticosteroid combination for whatever reason, um, that could be something that's going to be coming soon to a formulary near you. Uh, so before we get into the full news of the day, I want to take a minute to say hello to Ron, an excellent respiratory therapist who got some very positive career news. So congratulations to you, Ron. Also saying hello to Terry from South Texas, Georgine from Oregon, and Angela also from Wisconsin, another RT. Um, always nice to see some of my clinical friends out here uh, in, the, uh, in the navigator world. All right, so just, again, that's kind of a weird thing going on with the video here. Um, hopefully we're going to still stave off all those tech demons, but we will see how it goes, and we will make the best of it as we always do. So as we uh, wrap up the news section here, we're going to get into the topic of the day. And, of course, we know that um, exercise is really one of the biggest, uh, most important things that you can do for your lung health. Um, a very, uh, very great uh, COPD advocate, uh, COPD person herself, uh, Dr. Jean Ramos, who I'm very excited to be, will be actually having dinner later on today. Um, she's in town from Iowa. So Dr. Jean has uh, dealt with COPD for a very, very long time. Uh, and again, a, a researcher, she's been a role model advocate, all this stuff. Uh, her biggest mantra is that the medications that we give for COPD allow you to exercise, and it's the exercise that allows you to actually live. Uh, we know that um, 
exercise in healthy individuals, no matter what it is, we know that exercise is critical to very to good well-being. And of course, when we have, if you have COPD, it's difficult to get the air moving, sitting on the couch, even let alone trying to go to the gym or anything like that. So we have this concept called pulmonary rehab. We know that pulmonary rehab or these uh, monitored structured exercise programs do a lot of good for a lot of people. We encourage everybody with a COPD diagnosis to seek out one of these pulmonary rehabilitation programs because they're basically exactly what they describe. They give you, give you exercise tolerance. They, they increase your ability to exercise and move. They build up your respiratory muscles. You know, when you have COPD, you have some of that structural damage on the inside, you have to pick up the, the, the workload with some of your other muscles instead of your main uh, diaphragm. There we go. Your diaphragm is usually your main muscle of breathing. That gets a little bit weak sometimes. You need to pick it up with the rest of your upper body muscles. Pulmonary rehab helps with that. We know that pulmonary rehab provides social support. This is something that often goes overlooked in a lot of COPD um, rehab cases, pulmonary rehab cases. Everybody thinks it's ju just thinks about the exercise, and the exercise is critical, but it's also a way to get out of the house and to be talking with other folks facing the same challenges uh, on the same journeys and everything else that is going on. Um, one of the, the biggest... Uh, when people talk about when they review pulmonary rehab programs and they talk about how effective they are, they talk about the social aspects of it as, as one of the, the key components. Finally, we also know uh, that pulmonary rehab, with all of these factors, improves your quality of life. Um, it you know, helps you with your symptom burden, it helps you feel not so alone, it helps you feel all of those things, uh, and it's a great, fantastic tool for anybody with uh, chronic lung conditions. But, there's always a but. We know that there are a lot of barriers uh, to accessing a good pulmonary rehabilitation program. First and foremost, uh, there's very relatively limited access uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, Medicare and a lot of the uh, uh, insurance payers out there have not taken um, a very effective view of pulmonary rehab. Um, the, they don't reimburse a lot, uh, so there's not a lot of money involved. And oftentimes these are programs that take a lot of capital to set up. You know, you're basically starting a gym and hiring clinicians. So it's almost the worst of both worlds uh, as far as cost goes. So it's not, it hasn't been sustainable for a lot of places. A lot of places have closed down. We're starting to see that turn a little bit, but we still don't have the access that we want to see. This is a map from the COPD Foundation's website for their um, I believe they call them the, the pulmonary education program or, or something along those lines, PEP. Uh, this is a, a list of the, uh, um, the programs that have reached that certification. This is, of course, not inclusive to all pulmonary rehab programs, but this gives you an idea of some of the geographic distributions that we face, particularly those folks who live in a rural setting, you know, kind of out in the country, that sort of thing. It's difficult to get them access to uh, any program um, whether it's a, uh, a standard program, whether it's one that's been accredited by the uh, American Association for Cardiovascular and Pulmonary Rehab, whether it's a COPD Foundation program, whatever it is, all of the most of these programs follow the same kind of, of distribution here. Um, and so even when they're, they are in areas, like if we were to zoom in on this map here, we can see in my area, southwestern Michigan, there really isn't one of those in the area. We do have a couple of other programs that are excellent, um, but our closest one in, in this area for the COPD Foundation is in Lansing. 
if I recall the map correctly. Now again, it's not inclusive of every program and there are again programs here in Kalamazoo I work with very closely that are fantastic, but it's an illustration of where we are with, with access. We also see that you get limited sessions. Medicare, uh, which is um, the huge number of people with COPD, uh, generally will pay for 36 sessions, uh, usually about twice a week, sometimes three times a week. Uh, they'll pay for 36 sessions of rehabilitation. If you get through that and then in the future have some more problems, they will pay for another 36 sessions. But let's talk about you know, if you're going three times a week, which is ideal, that's 12 weeks, 12 weeks of exercise. That's all you get. That's all Medicare figures you need. Uh, and of course, a lot of the payers uh, follow suit. Now, there are some other options as far as maintenance programs and things like that, but they cost additional money because they're not covered as well. So we know that um, it's difficult to get people, again, to the resources they need, even when they have a program in their area. So next up is the bigger issue here. We talk about um, what happens after those 12 weeks or 18 weeks or you know whatever you can stretch it out to be. We see that a lot of people when they get out of this program because we have uh, kind of coined it a rehab they figure that's it well now it's as good as it's going to get again and you know I'm, I'm feeling great and everything is awesome you know because the program worked but i'm not i'm not doing the exercises quite so much anymore because i don't have access to the program and it's hard to get to the gym and I, you know i don't have a gym membership and, and ten thousand other things we see that when you stop exercising, you lose everything, all those benefits of pulmonary rehab go away in about 18 months. So we know that if you have access and you are able to get to these programs, we know that you need to keep going with it in order to keep those benefits uh, maximized. And that's difficult for a lot of people. Uh, so that also brings us into that perhaps the biggest barrier of all is we as clinicians aren't always doing a very good job of identifying the people who need pulmonary rehab and getting them to that. Um, there's study after study that comes out that talks about, well, I didn't think about pulmonary rehab because I didn't know there was one in the area, or I didn't think this person could benefit from it, or I didn't think they were going to be able to go because they've got transportation issues. Whatever it is, there are a lot of providers out there that don't refer their folks to pulmonary rehab, uh, and therefore you're missing out on a lot of that benefit. However, it is not necessarily just doom and gloom. Uh, there are a couple of other options available for you. As we get into, um, it's going to kind of a weird thing here. I should be seeing some more comments, and I'm just not, and it's kind of weird. Just wondering what the, hey, there's, oh, okay, so those, that's where we're at. That's cool. All right, maybe I'm just imagining any technical difficulties, and I'm perfectly happy with that. So we have this um, idea of doing pulmonary rehab instead of bringing you to the pulmonary rehab, bringing the pulmonary rehab to you. 
and doing this stuff in the house. There are a couple of studies out there that talk to us about or that tell us that um, what we call relatively austere or low equipment, basic equipment level pulmonary rehab uh, can be just about as effective as some of these full intensity, or fully equipped gyms, treadmills and ergometers and bicycles and weights and Nautilus and Bowflex or you know whatever else you got. If you have the home gym, then you can probably get very similar benefits to that except it's not necessarily uh, as social because you're still at home and you're still not necessarily contacting a lot of people. There are some alternatives there too. Um, there's one program, probably the best known, uh, is this group called Lift Pulmonary Rehab. Now, I'll disclaim this again, I did do uh, no money changed hands or anything like that, but I did do um, an interview with them, um, boy, I think it was a couple of years ago now, um, where we talk a little bit about the importance of exercise and education in pulmonary or in, in COPD management. So if you go to their website, you will see my name pop up, picture pop up from time to time. Uh, I am not otherwise affiliated with them. I don't get any kind of kickback. I don't get any kind of sponsorship or anything like that. However, they are a good program that I really do believe in. They um, have a lot of RTs and other clinicians uh, very deeply integrated in program development and uh, support and everything else. They're uh, um, looking at doing some more things on, on social media. Uh, they're an excellent group to, uh, they have on-demand classes, they have group classes. You can kind of have that same kind of interaction with a lot of folks. They're building a community, um, but you can do it on your own schedule, which is really nice because a lot of the, the real quote-unquote real pulmonary rehabs have certain hours, have certain classes, certain sessions, all that kind of stuff. Being that it's on demand and in your house, that gives you a little bit more flexibility. As you might expect, that does come with a literal price tag. Um, Lyft is, I believe it's about 10 bucks a month. Um, if you pay in advance, you get a little bit of a discount. I think if you pay for the year in advance, it works out to seven or eight bucks a month. You can get a lifetime membership for, uh, I probably see it on the screen a little bit better than I can. Um, I think it's 200 bucks, gets you a lifetime membership. But while that's great, it's still kind of a chunk of change for a lot of people. And it's difficult for folks to come up with that, um, kind of, uh, that kind of payment, uh, that kind of fee. And so we still see people are having barriers, but we do have a free resource that is available to us that gives us a whole bunch of information. And that is YouTube. Um, you may actually be watching this video if you're catching the non-live version. You might be watching it on YouTube right now. Um, so it's very economical. It's very accessible. There, are, It's very easy to use. Most people are familiar with it. Um, you can share things. You can do all kinds of stuff um, to help facilitate your own personal health. So we're going to look a little bit today at some of the things that uh, go into a good um, YouTube instructional resource. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the things that you're going to look at and all that sort of thing. But the first thing I want to point out is right here on the screen, make sure that before you start any exercise program, and this goes even for URTs watching who maybe don't have a lot of health issues, when you're going to be changing up your exercise plan, make sure that you are talking with all of your relevant clinicians first uh, to make sure that you're able to pick things that are safe, uh, that are going to be the most effective in your individual case, uh, and that are going to be um, uh, tolerable for you. This is not a time to be, uh, um, uh, with, with all due respect to Russell Winwood, this is not the time to be training for an Ironman or a triathlon or a Boston Marathon or any of the other 
crazy things that Russell's done. Um, this is getting yourself back into shape and you have to kind of take it a little bit easy, make sure you're pushing your limits, but we don't want you to necessarily be uh, damaging your joints or anything like that uh, in the pursuit of a little bit better lung health. So make sure that you are talking with all of your clinicians who are managing your care um, to make sure that we've got something that's safe and effective for you. That said, um, hey, Brad, checking in. Uh, Brad is one of our um, bronchiectasis experts uh, in our uh, Facebook group, which I have forgotten to mention. We do have a Facebook group here, COPD Navigator. Search that out or go to our page and uh, click on that link and get you right in there. Uh, Brad's an expert in pulmonary rehabilitation um, and um, attending an Illinois pulmonary rehab conference today and tomorrow. Uh, and uh, yes, I do know that we have some RTs on there with some chronic uh, health issues. Uh, make sure that you're taking care of yourselves, especially in the cold temperatures here. So all of that said, uh, which mouse am I using here? Here we go. So this first one comes up from a Canadian group, the University Health Network uh, in Toronto, I believe it is. Uh, and this kind of demonstrates for us, I'm gonna be looking at the screen, this demonstrates for us that you don't necessarily need a lot of equipment. Uh, I'm actually gonna uh, replay that again real quick here because that was a little bit shorter than I thought. You don't need a lot of equipment to be doing some effective exercises. These are back bends that you're doing. These are stretches. These are um, lifts and bends and flexibility exercises. Um, isometrics, I believe I uh, will call them back in gym class. These are things that you can do without any special equipment without any special room in your house, uh, without any special clothing or anything like that. Get something comfortable, get something that you can move in and start simply with some stretches, start simply with some basic resistance things, um, all of that stuff. That is an excellent, um, uh, that's an excellent program. It actually appears to have come from a DVD. Um, and we'll be getting links and all that stuff up uh, later on in the um, probably after we're all done here but um, we're going to be getting you can go on YouTube and you can search for uh, University Health Network or uh, um, COPD chair exercises it's about uh, I believe it's about a 45 minute video has all kinds of stuff that was just a very brief sampling of what they can do um, we also have a uh, little bit uh, more intensive. This is one that comes over from the National Health System in England. Points out that if you want to have a little bit more resistance, that's easy to do too. That gentleman was using some water bottles, uh, water bottles, soup cans. Um, you can get little hand weights for from places like um, uh, Walmart or if you're in the Midwest, Meyer, which was the first thing that came out of my mouth, uh, Target, wherever you want to go, you can get some of these little hand weights. It, even my kids love a place called Five Below. It's got uh, it's, it's kind of throwback to an old five and dime store. They got a little bit of everything in there, but they have hand weights that are five dollars or less. Not necessarily a big expensive purchase or anything like that, but it gets you started. This is another great example, walking a short distance uh, uh, repetitively. Uh, my, uh, on occasion when, when we're not uh, able to exercise a whole lot and we just need to burn off some stress, uh, again, not sponsored or anything, there's a lady out there called Leslie Sansone, who you can get her DVDs from Amazon or, or wherever. Um, walk away the pounds. While it's more targeted toward maybe weight loss or cardiovascular fitness or things like that, it's the same kind of stuff. This isn't necessarily a magic pill, this is stuff that you can do in the privacy of your own home without hauling a lot of equipment around, without getting out and about. Again, I encourage people to get out when you can because we want to keep up that socialization aspect of it. 
but if uh, if you if you need to, if you have to, if these are your barriers, you know, I, I talk a lot in my clinic days. This has been coming up a lot in the last month or so, particularly when it's really cold and all that sort of thing. There's the perfect world that the textbooks tell us about and that we recommend and all that sort of thing. And then there's the real world where we have to work with where we're at. We have to work with uh, what our what our uh, clients, our customers, our, our patients, our community, what they give us, uh, and figure out a solution that's going to work best for you. So again, this is uh, something from National Health Service. We'll back that up again and take a look there. Oop, that's too far. Um, but again, we're just we're talking about upper body stuff. Again, some uh, basic adding some resistance. There are resistance bands that are rubber bands. There's the dumbbells, bottles of water, cans of soup, bags of flour. Whatever you have that's going to put a little bit of load on your muscles is going to be a good start. Make sure that you're not uh, straining yourself too much. We don't want to blow out any rotator cuffs or anything like that. Um, use your own body mass, push against the wall. Um, lots of very simple things that you can do. Uh, it's not strictly clinical stuff either. This is a group that uh, these gentlemen don't look like they are particularly at risk for COPD. Some very young, muscular, buff guys in here. I like this video because, again, we're talking about um, chair work, uh, keeping some of that load off. Uh, the first gentleman had some, some of the weights. This gentleman is doing just, again, some very basic muscle isolation kind of things. This one's about an eight-minute video. Works really well. Um, these are, if you look at their biceps and stuff, they certainly appear like they know what they're talking about. And they did make this video specifically labeled for uh, pulmonary rehab. I don't know a lot of the background between these gentlemen. I suspect if they know about pulmonary rehab, at least one of them has some kind of medical knowledge. Um, wasn't a lot else on their Facebook page, but, or their uh, YouTube page, but um, this is another, this is an example of some of those resistance bands I was talking about. Basically a giant rubber band. Sometimes you just do just get a rubber sheet um, and it gives you the, the resistance you need. They have various levels of rubberiness, I guess. Um, sometimes it's a band with handles. You can get as fancy, you can keep it simple. Whatever you're doing to move and to get that strength built back up is going to be helpful. Uh, again, as long as it's within your own limitations and uh, not causing you any particular harm. Um, we also have some interesting videos out there that are a little bit more non-traditional. This is uh, a yoga video. Yoga, of course, with a lot of breath work, a lot of stretching, a lot of flexibility is a fantastic tool um, that is difficult to measure, so we don't always throw it out there as a treatment uh, or a therapy, but it's difficult to measure, you know, what's the dose of yoga? I, you know, do you do two yogas a day? I, I, I don't know. Um, it's hard to dose, it's hard to quantify, and so it's a little bit hard to study. But we do know that a lot of these, uh, these works um, can be very helpful. You know, again, you're stretching, you're building up some of these, these muscles in a very um, uh, low-impact way, very sustainable way. Um, this person uh, here caught my attention because she uh, at least purports, again, I didn't have a lot of, I didn't do a real deep dive, uh, purports to be a, a um, cystic fibrosis patient and a double lung transplant recipient has sort of the build that seems reasonable, but no matter, uh, and she's able to, to conduct these exercises is, is the big takeaway. Uh, but again, you know, just very, very basic things. Um, even things you might see um, when I when I see some of these things, I think of um, the video games, like the like the Wii and the Wii U and, and the Switch. Uh, we're, uh, we've got some other stuff in the house, but we're, we, kids are, my kids love the Nintendo stuff, um, which is nice because that's back to my, my video game heyday. Um, and, of course, with Nintendo, we like to play uh, Super Smash Brothers. 
which is basically just kind of a, a brawling kind of game. And one of my youngest son, Joey's favorite um, stages, arenas to play at, is the Wii Fit Studio. And so there's a lot of uh, cartoon yoga going around in the background. So um, yoga is entertaining. It's helpful. Um, it's sustainable. If you're flexible enough to be able to do, you can do some of the exercises down on the floor. Um, last year at a Better Breathers group, we had a yogi come in and do, again, chair exercises or those folks who could you know stand up and lean on the back of the chairs. It's very, no pun intended, very flexible, very adaptable to where you are uh, in your, um, your build and your flexibility and all that sort of thing. Uh, last up in the non-traditional thing is this idea of uh, um, Tai Chi. Tai Chi is another one of those things that's been studied uh, to a certain degree, um, but is a little bit difficult to quantify. Uh, this particular video is sped up quite a bit. It is an eight-minute breathwork video where you do a lot of the uh, centering and uh, not quite meditative types of things. Um, I always enjoy some Tai Chi. I took that as a, as a, a physical education elective back in the day. Uh, but this is, again, a great way to get your breath under control, help um, a lot of these talk about purse-lip breathing, breath control, uh, diaphragmatic breathing, helping flush out a lot of the stale air that can get build, built up with the air trapping and all that kind of stuff. Fantastic uh, things that you might not even necessarily get in a structured formal pulmonary rehabilitation program because they're in those programs you're talking about exercise, you're talking about nutrition, you've got a lot of information to cram into those um, 36 sessions because they're all time limited. But we fortunately live in a time where we have access to a huge amount of information. So uh, I encourage a lot of people to, to seek that out. It's very easy to find. But the flip side to that also is, and the caution we have here, is that not only is the good stuff easy to find, some of the bad stuff is too. This is a search I did, um, I believe it was, uh, Yoga COPD is what I, I went to YouTube and searched for Yoga COPD. Found some great videos, uh, found a couple ones that were talking about healing COPD um, with uh, simple breath work. Uh, found another one that was talking about using garlic to uh, rebuild muscle or lung tissue or something like that. Uh, that doesn't work. The garlic doesn't work. These things don't work. Uh, and so we do see uh, sort of the genesis of my Facebook group was that there were people out there who were um, using search optimization and uh, recruitment techniques and things like that to get people to join their group and say, hey, I will cure your COPD. I will fix it. Uh, you don't need to listen to those doctors. They're just making customers and all that sort of thing. Same thing, unfortunately, is still happening uh, on YouTube, on Facebook, on wherever you're going. So it's very important that when you're doing these searches, you're making sure that a lot of these videos are coming from somebody reputable or that the things that they're saying at least make some sense. Like I said, we had a couple of, we threw a couple of videos up there from people who aren't necessarily or aren't verified clinicians or anything like that. But the stuff that they say makes sense. It stretches, it's low impact, it's breath work. If somebody is telling you to go out and mix up this elixir of uh, eye of newt and garlic and uh, sunbeams and whatever, maybe have a, throw a grain of salt in there too. So what I'm trying to do and what I did today was um, in these, uh, I came up with a playlist uh, for our YouTube channel. I subscribed to a lot of these videos and co uh, collated them onto um, um, 
a YouTube playlist for you so that they're a little bit easier to find. These are things that um, I will admit I haven't sat and watched all uh, probably about um, anywhere from three to five hours, depending on where we are so far. Um, I haven't watched every last minute of them, but I do vouch at least for the general uh, acceptability and reliability of these videos. So you can go to our YouTube channel, which you can see right here below, youtube.com slash C for channel slash COPD Navigator, or go to YouTube and just search for COPD Navigator. And we should find up, uh, you should see our little glowy neon icon there pop up before too long. Uh, go to our homepage and click that playlist and that gives you a nice little reference for all of those videos that uh, we talked about today. And I will be adding to that um, as sort of a reference library as I find more videos, uh, maybe create some videos from uh, some of our friends of Navigator. So if any of you out there um, are have some videos that you would like to share, uh, make sure that you can put them in the comments. Again, whether you're watching on YouTube YouTube, watching on Facebook, throw them in the comments, join our group, throw them in there, uh, and we will get those onto the list. So to kind of wrap things up a little bit here, uh, I believe we're wrapping up. Again, I can't emphasize this enough. If you are looking at starting a new exercise plan, make sure that you're discussing this with your clinician. A lot of people with COPD have a lot of other conditions too. COPD puts strain on your heart. It can put inflammation in your joints. So we want to make sure that you are exercising for, uh, um, uh, for lung health, but we also want to make sure that you're doing it safely for your whole body health. We want to make sure it's heart safe, joint safe, all of those things. Um, so make sure that you are clearing any kind of thing with your clinician. That's the nice thing about pulmonary rehab is they do have a physician there and trained clinicians on site where you're monitored very safely. Um, and that is, of course, the, the top choice of any kind of exercise program. Uh, the other thing to consider is to, again, respect your limits. You're not going to be able to do... Um, everything, particularly in the first session. Um, again, going back to some of the video games, you start playing some of these things. You don't start on level 99. You don't start going against the the big bad guy, the the, the Bowser or the Ganon or you know the the big chief bad guy enemy person whatever. You start at level one. You start with the basics. You learn how to play. You learn the techniques, the mechanics, all that sort of thing. Exercise is not really any different. You've got to start by understanding and respecting your limits and then gradually working them up. You want to be challenged, but you don't want to be unsafe. Again, one of the biggest, biggest uh, uh, pros to uh, formal pulmonary rehab is that you've got people keeping an eye on you all the time and telling you when things might be getting a little bit unsafe. Last but not least, you got to find something that's enjoyable. Because when you enjoy what you're doing, when you enjoy your exercise, you're going to want to do it. And that makes it sustainable. And as we uh, talked about earlier, if you're not sustaining that exercise, you're going to lose all your benefit in about a year and a half. So find something that's enjoyable, then uh, make it sustainable, and then that's how you're going to maximize your benefit. If you don't like to run, ride the exercise bike. If you don't like to do the bike, do the elliptical. Do the one where you sit down and pedal with your hands or a recumbent bike. Um, walk in place. Do a video at home. Walk around the block. Find uh, Maybe not in Michigan in winter, but find some place where you can walk safely. Go walk at the mall. Um, you know, a lot of places, a lot of Medicare plans these days have this thing called silver sneakers where you can get reduced or sometimes even free gym memberships. Uh, find out where you can use that. The key is to find something that you like to do in an environment where you like to do it and where you're going to keep on doing it. 
um, because again, that's the biggest thing is to make sure that you're getting the most benefit for the longest period of time in the safest possible manner. Keep on moving, uh, get pumped up a little bit, and uh, you will see that a lot of your um, condition can be more managed, uh, more manageable, and uh, um, your quality of life is going to go up quite a bit. So, With that, that wraps up our lesson plan for the day. So uh, again, we're going to take a look at um, where are we with some of our comments and things like that uh let's see let's get a little reload here again um if you have any questions this is kind of open forum time We've got some time left here make sure you're getting those into any of the various links that we have where you might be watching this video um first off we're going to deal with our relatively slow network i guess Oh, where are we at? Now we got to scroll back down. The wonders of modern technology. Let me talk to you across the country and you know, all the way over to Alaska. And I think I might have even sen seen one of our English friends in here. British. Uh, I don't want to offend anybody. Call them the wrong. Uh, um, I watched enough Doctor Who to know that you don't call Irish British and British Irish or Scotch or anything like that. So uh, let's see. Where are our says there are eight comments. Why are there only four of them? Let's look another place. Uh, let us look in the group. If you are joining us, um, we do have a group called COPD Navigator. You can again get a link from it right from our page where you might be watching this video. Um, come and join us there. You can also search for us. Oh, no comments there. All right. Everybody's just a little bit quiet today, huh? Well, that's all right. Um, certainly nothing wrong with that. Let's take a look at avenue number three. Got a couple of likes there, but nobody really checking in. So, um, well, that's all right. You know, this is one of those days. This is kind of an odd time. Hopefully everybody's out there enjoying their Friday. Um, we've got a good weekend ahead of us. They said on the news this morning, we've got 60 degrees in our seven-day forecast for the first time since Halloween, which is very nice um, of course it's just in time for everybody's allergies and irritants to all that stuff to start kicking in so uh, make sure that you are trading your scarf and all that stuff for any kind of appropriate breathing mask um, if you have some of those sensitivities if you have some of that stuff going on um, make sure that you are taking care of yourself appropriately uh, let's see, our next video uh, will be coming up in two weeks. Uh, we're going to be back on Wednesday, assuming that our lights don't short out again and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, we will be talking about a lot of the various tests that you will face uh, in the COPD world. We've got blood tests, we've got breathing tests, we've got all kinds of stuff. Uh, another exciting thing this week is I got to give a presentation about pulmonary function testing to a new batch of medical students coming up. Uh, and just today I met with uh, one of our um, uh, safety net clinics here in town where we're actually going to be starting a spirometry program right there at the clinic to increase access to a lot of these respiratory care services. So it's a very exciting time, but it helps to know what these tests mean. When you're talking to your clinicians about what you should be doing, what you should be on, all that sort of thing, you gotta understand why you have a PFT or an uh, ABG or an EKG or any of those things, a lot of these other things that you will come across uh, during the COPD journey. 
And in order to do that, you got to get your information from somewhere. And unfortunately, in the primary care world, it's hard to jam those things in into the five, 15 minutes or so that you get uh, with the clinician. So uh, our goal is to try and get you some of that information. That was a weird noise. Uh, we're going to get you some of that information as best as we possibly can so that you know what questions to ask, what follow-ups to ask, and all that kind of fun stuff. So um, we'll give it just another minute here. All right, well, we are going to go ahead and wrap things up then. We've got a couple of other things, um, just kind of loose ends to, to mention. Um, for those of you who um, cannot watch video, um, we are starting a couple of new things. I've got a podcast, uh, so to speak, set up where it's basically the audio from a lot of these episodes uh, broadcast out through um, an audio app. Uh, I use a website called Anchor FM, not sponsored, um, just easy to use and easy to set up and pretty cheap, which kind of fit all of my needs right now, which then distributes that to places like Spotify and a couple other places. So if you are interested or if you know somebody who may be interested um, in listening to some of these things, um, point them in the direction. Again, we're COPD Navigator pretty much wherever you look. Um, also, uh, I will personally be starting, I'm going to be starting my own personal podcast coming up before here too long, uh, where I cover a little bit more healthcare topics from, uh, the perspective of, um, a respiratory therapist, um, and, uh, in primary care, I got a couple of different things out there, um, a couple other healthcare people around. So I'll look for that to be starting up soon. Um, hopefully this weekend, if, uh, the stars align for us a little bit. Um, all of those things will be again available. Um, we'll post some links in uh, the Navigator group here on this page and uh, wherever else you want to get your information from. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, again, we do this about every two weeks. Uh, just about back up and running with our shorter takes things, the, the Spotlight series where we take a, a, a specific look. Uh, the one we have up right now is about dry powder inhalers. Uh, a lot shorter than these things, but it's a lot easier to use as reference tools. We've got a couple in the pipeline that are coming up for uh, other types of inhalers. We're going to be talking about oxygen. We're going to be talking about a variety of topics. So if you have ideas for topics that you would like to see, um, make sure that you're dropping them in the comments or uh, sending them to uh, we'll take a look at us on Facebook for right now. Uh, we are in the process of finally remodeling our website, also copdnavigator.net. Uh, but I can't remember the main uh, email address for that. So uh, just drop me a line. I'm not hard to find. Drop me a line here on Facebook. Drop me a line in COPD Navigator. Um, and we will get your topic addressed as best as we possibly can. So with all that said, it looks like we're just about to wrap up here. Uh, I'm going to the wrong clickies again. Uh, we are just about ready to wrap up. I hope everybody has a fantastic weekend. We will be back on Wednesdays, our usual time. Um, if you missed this live show, catch us on YouTube. Catch us on your favorite podcast app. Um, if uh, that's not enough, I can't help you. I <laughs> uh, hope everybody has a fantastic weekend. Hopefully the weather is going to hold out where you are. Uh, so until we see you next time, uh, take care of yourself, take care of each other, and breathe a little bit easier. Uh, take care and uh, have a good day.